I'm sticking to it, and I want to know, the theme for tonight is, school is out. What did you look forward to when you were in elementary school? Summer was coming. What did you look forward to? Walden, what did you look forward to? Uh, I I love to play. Um, I was a creative kid uh, at home, and so my brother and I would play. We would basically take the whole house and reconstruct it into baseball fields. Um, we, ha- and we have a collection of stuffed animals. And we would break them up into sporting teams and different parts of the house with different stadiums. So my, my bedroom was a, a stadium, let's say Oakland. And then, uh, then we would create the living room at New York Stadium and another room at Boston. And we would have the traveling baseball show. And we would pitch. We would uh, use pedals as our bases and a big pedal as a strike zone and throw nerf balls at each other and take tennis shoes and whack the ball and just, just create a whole hours and hours of competition. And outside I would build um, cars. I would build our mud wheels as my tires and race them down the driveway. I was just a very active uh, kid who loved to play and and create things. You know, I I guess I was like one of those uh, you know kids. I'd be happy with just pointing out in the dirt. I I just like to go out and play. Is there is there anything in particular during all of your elementary school time? Mm-hmm. Anything in particular that you looked forward to visiting with a particular group of relatives, going on a special trip? What did you do well, that was so special you really looked forward to it? Not, you know, for first year, you know, cause that, during that time, that's when I had a ton of my eye surgeries. Uh-huh. And so we stayed home pretty close. And money was tight, you know. So um, so we didn't, we didn't, our local trips uh, in the 70s, in elementary school, I guess up to, we had to go down to San Diego. Which is an hour away. I mean, most people would kill uh, to make the trip out to San Diego, California. And so what we would do a couple of summers, we would just go out for two or three days and be in Mission Bay and get out the paddle wheels and just play out, play on there. Or uh, maybe because uh, my dad is a very my dad can make a living betting the racehorses as um, a gift by itself. And so we. We, when we would go, we basically had our trip paid for. Okay, Dad could hit a couple horses to pay for it. And so we might, uh, when he was betting on a horse, too, we might go out on the boats and just play on, on the water. You know, rubber rubber boats kind of thing. Huh? And um, <clears throat> our first big trip, I think, after my surgery was going out to uh, Wyoming, where the, um, in the stiffies, my dad had two brothers. Um, one brother discovered all the oil fields in Libya, and the other one was a school teacher who was uh, served in the country in World War II. He fought in seven major engagements before he was 21 in the South Pacific. All that combat. He was part of the uh, Marine, he was part of the uh, the Navy that took the Marines into the beachhead. And so. And my dad was a dynamite expert. They went ahead and built their own cabin from scratch. 
in Wyoming. And it's 100 miles from the nearest town of 32 people. And so the family, for many years, I guess Mississippi, would go up through the summer to build the cabin. And so uh, we got a chance to go visit the cabin in the 70, 78, you know, that would be my biggest trip, per se, it, it, I can remember. Um, you know, and, you know, I guess before then, I'm just thinking out loud, because I think a lot of, a lot of our vacation also when we, cause it, you know, money was tight, we would go visit my uncle. My uncle was, you know, military, and so it was all, and he moved every two years. I'm thinking in the early 70s, we would go visit him. And so drive to Texas and see him and stay in Texas and go different places. And so I think wherever my uncle was stationed, we might go make a trip out of that. Um, those, those, those are some of the things that sticks out in my head. Anyway, um, the cabin thing was interesting because in Wyoming, you're in, you're in the rural area of uh, Wyoming, and you had all the elk and uh, all the wild animals, deers, right in your front yard. And I know Patricia would love that. I know she loves the wildlife, and that would be pretty neat, you know, to look up in the morning and uh, see you right out there. But the thing that got me is so cold, Patricia. Oh, no, no, no. Patricia's not going to be there. No, it is so cold. It is so cold, Patricia, that... Oh. Um, to stay in Wyoming, that neck of the country, it basically opened up, only opened up three months out of the year. The rest of it pretty much snowed in. Is it cold in the summertime? It, yeah. Yeah, it's hail. It, it's the hottest hail I ever saw in middle of middle of July. And it, you're freezing your butt. You can't, you can't wait till, you, you can't wait till somebody gets out of bed to go downstairs to turn on the fire to warm up the building, but who's going to want to get out of bed to do that? Kind of cold. What? Um, I don't even want to ask. <laughs> <clears throat> Never mind. <laughs> no, Patricia doesn't want to go visit there. No. Because I'll bet you even have raccoons there, huh? That what they have are the biggest, hungriest mosquitoes in the whole wide world. <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> I don't th- and you want me to go there? No, but I know how you love wildlife. That's where you would see it. That's where okay. I did my first. That's where I did my actually my first fishing, my first trout fishing. We were helping the natural lakes, and uh-huh. and they're, they're, you're over a mile up in the air. You know, you're way up there. Yeah. So. That's what travel logs are for. You know, I, you get to see them on television, and everybody else goes out and fights the wild pigs, and they go mountain climbing and fall down the ice and stuff, and they do all of that for me, so I don't have to do it myself. I think that's darn considerate. Well, Patricia got her popcorn, she'll root people in. Say what? Well, she got your popcorn by your TV set. You'll be happy to... Yeah, and I don't have any. I'm, I'm all out of popcorn. Oh, no! Yeah, because it, it hasn't been time for me to go out for my one week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I had to wait. Uh, I'll have to do that tomorrow and uh, get some popcorn. I mean, a house without popcorn. Oh, my gosh. It's almost as bad as a house without chocolate. Yeah, a house without love is a, was a house without popcorn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the ticket. Yeah. Well, Some. I wanted to know while you were talking about baseball in the house, whether mm-hmm. or not you've made any progress on patenting your mom yet. Well, uh, I, 
she's been very good. She's been reading, so I we've been we've been able to you know get a run around. I ha- haven't I haven't put out the trademark or the patent right, you know. Oh, I I think you'd get get moving on that. She is one very special lady. So for everybody, school is out. Mm-hmm. When you were in elementary school, what did you want to do on summer vacation, or what did you look forward to doing on summer vacation? So what did Patricia want to do when she got out of school? Oh, we every year we were able to go to the New Jersey Shore because my grandmother had bought a house down there. Um, and my, my father had four brothers. Three of them were in the same area where we were. So there were four brothers, and each family got two weeks at the shore at this wonderful house with my grandmother. So it, it was really a special time. I really enjoyed that. And it's, when I think about it, it makes me smile and feel warm. So it was, it was a very good time. And she was a very special lady. So that's what I looked forward to. And what about what what is that what you look forward to? Is that what you wish to do too? Because you asked a two part question, so you got to do both. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes, that would have been my my absolute wish, and the the greatest disappointment was when it was over. Yeah. Oh, and then we had to start looking forward to the following year. So that is my question for tonight. What did you do on summer vacation? What did you want to do? What did you look forward to doing? School is out. And we're in elementary school now, not high school, because a lot of people had their driver's licenses in high school. Just elementary school, up through grade 8. That sounds good, huh? You bet. You bet. I, I have a Guinness Book of World Records entry here. Uh, well, is yours or my name in there yet? No, your name is not in there yet. <laughs> we haven't decided which category <laughs> you might fit, Walden. Is there a category you think you might fit? Um, I don't know. You ponder that. I, I have to give that a thought. You can, you can ponder that. How about the person who has, who has a happy, lovable distribution most days out of the week. Hmm. I'll take that. I, I would love to hear that we have a lot of competition with that in the world. I think that would cool. be good. That would be cool. Okay, I'm going to give, after I go through a couple of things here, mm-hmm. I am going to give the address to a free download and listen site. But you have to write this one down. It's kind of a little bit of a screwy address, but they've got some really interesting stuff there. If there. There isn't a lot of a single show. There are single shows of a lot of different things, and the sound quality is excellent. So even just for hopping up there and taking a run down a list and saying, I'd like to hear this one, there are maybe like three Green Hornets. Um, there are a whole bunch of Sherlock Holmes up there from the BBC. And it's just a fun place to visit, and if there's anything up there that you really like, you can download it. They're all MP3s. So I will give you that address in a minute. Be ready. Okay, here's, here's the Guinness Book of World Records item for today. What is the most expensive pizza in the world? What? Is the most expensive pizza in the world? Yeah, tell me, tell me how much the most expensive oh, okay. pizza would be. What's a without tax? 
I don't think when you get into this category, you care an awful lot about taxes. $300 a slice. Well, I guess that depends on how little the slices are. Yeah, yeah. It used to be $150 pizza. This one is from Margo's Pizzeria and the tiny island nation of Malta. Mm. And it sells a pizza with white truffles and 24-carat gold leaf on a traditional crust for $2,400. Wow! Now, I want to hear, please, 714-545-2071. I would like to hear from somebody who has ordered and eaten one of those pizzas. And I'll be right over. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you imagine $2,400 for a pizza? I, it's it's got to be for show. And I I don't mean the pizza for show, but to well. Well, I told you my friend. I told you my friend Kitty story about truffles, right? No. Well, more people know my second mom is Kitty Callen, the famous big band singer, and Kitty's done financially very very well. Her husband was the creator and producer of the Gong, you know, of the Gong Show. He was the, uh, well, he wasn't the creator, he was the head of, head of the company, put together the company. Hello there, you're on the air. Can I tell you what I did in elementary school? Yes, Ron. Yes. Okay. Um, at the end of elementary school, I went to summer camp, summer school, and I look forward to that summer, well, we called it summer fun. And there we sang songs, we we did some arts and crafts, and then to end our summer camps, we went camping for like three, four days out in the country, and um, we stayed in cabins and stuff, and there we had campfires at night, and we would sing around the campfire and and all kinds of good stuff. And, and we did that for about three, four years of my summer life in elementary school. And every time that the camps were was over with, I'd come home and I actually shed tears because I was so sad because it was such a fun summer vacation. Oh, know? wow. How long was camp? How many weeks or days? Oh, okay. Summer fun was like about six weeks, and the last part of the six weeks, the last three days of the six weeks, we would go to a campsite, and we, and so we would go camping, and it was fun. I, it sounds wonderful. Six weeks is a long time. How old were you? I was about, when we started to do that, I was about like nine years old. Now, there are a lot of nine-year-olds who would be very unhappy and homesick in the beginning of, of a six-week stay. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't a six-week stay. The, the camp was like a three-day stay. The other parts we'd go home every day. It was a summer Oh, it was like day program. camp. Okay. Yeah. So, but I went to boarding school. You know, I won't take some the first nine years of my life, of my school life, from first grade on, I was at a boarding school. Uh-huh. And it was like I would go on a Monday and come back home on a Friday and go back on a Monday and come home on a Friday. 
And I didn't like it. <laughs> I was just going to say that sounds that sounds very hard. It was hard, okay, but the downside of it all was I miss home, and I miss some family dinners that during the week my family went to. I couldn't go. Um, and I didn't never went to trick or treat because Halloween sometimes would fall on a weekday. Ah, uh, okay. But the upside of it all was I learned to be very independent, meaning I had to learn how to fix my own bed, make sure my clothes were hung up, and stuff like that. Yeah. And that part was good. We learned to take care of ourselves. Uh, so the good side of it was that there was a lot of independence that we learned um, how to do being in a boarding school because our mommies and daddies would not fix our bed for us. Our mommies and daddies would not hang up our clothes, you know. We had to do it all by ourselves. Yeah. I'm that was a good part. But the bad side was I miss home. Yeah. Now I would I would say, do you have brothers and sisters? I have an older sister and I have a brother and a younger sister. They're both my younger sister and my younger brother all passed away. Um, and it's hard for my mom who's still living because oh whenever your children die before you as a mother, it's very difficult. After my younger sister died, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, Ron, I am so sorry. Yeah, I think it's hard for a mother to see her children pass away before you, you know, because by right, you know, it should be the other way around, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think okay, my, my great-grandmother, she had five kids and she all three of them passed away before she did. You know, it, it is hard. And the sad part of it is my wife, um, it's the only one that right now, because my brother died, my sister died, mm -hmm. and my oldest sister had a stroke, and she's paralyzed on one side, so she can't take care of my mom. So my wife and I are the only two that take care of my mom, you know, because my mom knows her surroundings, and, and she's not ready for a care home yet because she still, you know, she can walk good. Um, she eats okay. She just doesn't remember things, you know. Mm -hmm. Sad. Very sad. Alzheimer's is cruel. I don't wish it on anybody, and, you know, because it, you lose your you lose your dignity, and you don't you your your short term memory is just gone, you know. So so that that's really hard. My mom, however, is going to be in July. She's going to turn 94 years old. Oh, my word. Bless her. Yeah, yeah. But my mom always took good care of me when I was a youngster. My mom and my dad would take me to concerts, recitals, and would help me further my musical career by, by taking me to these concerts and programs so that I would be uplifted and motivated, you know, and stuff. Were you the only one in the family that had musical talent, or did... did uh... oh, my sister, who is older than me, that she could sing pretty uh -huh. good. Uh -huh. But uh, my, my my younger sister, 
Yeah, she kept it up. Would have been a good classical pianist, mm -hmm. but she went into the computer field. But at age 50, she just had a massive stroke and just died. Oh my! Oh, Ron, I am so sorry. Well, you know, life goes on, and it's just it's just one of those unfortunate mishaps that you know happen. And yeah. Your mom is so lucky that she has you and Gail. Well, you know, well, I give my wife credit because she's an in-law, you know, and for an in-law to have to take care of a mother-in-law, I mean, you know, it's something else. And my, my wife never complains. My wife cooks my mom's meals and picks up after her sometimes and all kinds of stuff. And I give my wife a lot of credit. How did you find Gail? Oh, that's a good question. How did you find her? I remember, Walden, I told you, and Patricia, mm -hmm. this, is, this is a story I tell people. Yeah. We met on a blind date, but <laughs> which is not true. But <laughs> I I tell my friend, yeah, we met, we met on a blind date. Mm -hmm. They asked her if she wanted to go on a blind date, and she said she wouldn't mind, and I showed up. So... <laughs> <laughs> How was going out with Ron? And she said, oh, it was, he was really out of sight. So anyway, so, yeah, anyway. Oh, Ron, you are too funny. Yeah. You are too funny. Well, Love the no, but seriously, this, this part is true. <laughs> I, I had a German, I had a German Shepherd seeing eye dog, and my dog's name was Gail. And about three months later, I met this other girl, the two-legged one. Two-legged one. <laughs> and then, you know, I had to make my decision, so I decided to marry my wife instead, you know, and stuff. So it worked out okay. Yeah. Where did you meet? Huh? Where did you meet? Well, my friend told me that he was going to bring several girls to my house, and we were going to go bowling. And when only my wife showed up, the other girls didn't come, I decided, well, you, you can take go bowling. I don't want to go if there's only her. And so I stayed home, and they all went without me. But then there was something about this girl that fascinated me. So when I ran into her another time, I got kind of brave and said, hey, maybe we should go out. And we went out. and. The rest is history. Oh, that's a nice story. So how long how long did it take you to propose? We went with each other for about a year and two months. Mm -hmm. And but within seven months after we were dating I decided to ask her to be my wife and uh, I guess you know he went for that idea, and yeah, so that's how we met, and mm -hmm. that's what, what happened. I like the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good story. Like, uh, well, what, what's the name of the program? I'm listening, now. let's see, what's the name of the uh, How does it go? Um, oh, yeah. Like the soapbox opera.
at the wheel turn. No, the young and the rescue. Young and the rescue. Okay. Okay. Well, considering there's, anyway, fa- yeah. considering there's hardly, yeah. hardly any soap operas on TV anymore. No but, more. That's right. Yeah. Every, all but one dropped. What is the one that's still around? Is it All My Children? Oh, I think General Hospital. General Hospital is here. You're yeah. right. And I think one more or something. I mean, they're gone. Yeah. All right. Before before I hang up, I, I, I'm going to take this website down, Patricia, on my machine. So why don't you give us the website that you're going to give us? Okay. It is the numbers, the numerals, 154. 154. Dot. What? Dot C-A. 154 dot C-A. Slash. Oh. Slash. Yeah, slash OTR. OTR. Slash shared. S H A R E D. S H A R E D. Shared. That's it. Is there a dot com or something? Nope. So I don't when it, it with dot C A, is that Canada, Baldwin? California, here I come. California. I mean like like the dot UK is for Great Britain. Right. Um AU is for Australia. I don't know what CA is, but America is the dot com, and um, the other countries have different ones. Yeah, I don't know what CA would be. 154.ca slash OTR slash shared, S H A R E D. I think you might have fun up there. What is, Walden, what is slash? That's, uh... That's the uh, forward, you know where you're, um, Keyboard is, <clears throat> it'd be, it'd be to the, it'd be, what's he? Lowest, lowest where, row. To the right, it'd be where the period is, if you go to oh, the yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the bottom row, and the last on the right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you hit that, that's forward slash. And that's, that's lowercase, you don't have to do anything else, just yeah. hit that one. Okay. That sounds like fun. I think it is. Yeah, hit, hitting the forward slash, it's fun. Yeah. What I do, and I should have even suggested this for myself, anyone who wants it and is having trouble writing it down, I'll just send the link and you can click on it from my email. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can do that, okay? Yeah, do that. Yeah, my email, so. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. I get a- <laughs> Um. Well, anyway, I, I I just wanted you to know that, yeah, summer, summer fun was fun. I... I look forward to summer vacations because I always had fun going to summer summer fun or summer school or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Did you toast marshmallows on the campfire? Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. That you know, that was really fun. We we sang around the campfire. I played the accordion because, it, of course, you don't have a piano by a campfire, so I played the accordion and we sang, you know, camp songs. Oh, I didn't know you could play the accordion. That's new to me. sits on the old gum tree or whatever. I don't know. I think that was the first instrument that his uncle sent, right, Ron? You had a good memory, pal. That's right. Your uncle did send the accordion. When I was, yeah, when I was five years old, my uncle sent me an accordion. Yes, from Japan. That's right. I remember that. Cucamonga sits in the old gum tree. Barrel sits on the old. Cucamonga sits in the old gum tree. Cuckoo Oh, Cuckoo that's right. Cuckoo <laughs> is Jack Benny's. 
train ride or whatever. Oh, well. Well, you are a sweetheart. I will email. Let me tell you something. I, I, you know, I keep, I keep on letting you know that whatever you sent me in the past, I've always uh, made use of them. Maybe, maybe by, by making use of them. Every time I want to listen to a Richard Diamond, I have about so many Richard Diamond <laughs> CDs that I can listen to. Whenever I want to listen to, um, whenever I want to listen to Great Gildersy, you fill my, um, I need the first volume, the first show, and, and the first several shows, and you, you did that for me, and I, I really, really appreciate all the things that over the period of so many months that we've been, we've known each other over this telephone situation, and I received some real good, as you call it, stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I'm getting good stuff from you, and I really appreciate it. These are shows I never had before. You know, you know, actually, isn't it what, what Walden, you know, I, I don't know, Walden was in the days when we used to trade for, for radio shows. Right. And, and don't you think that, um, for the most part, the friends that you meet just by trading shows are, are the neatest people that you ever met in your life? Well, I think this whole, whole this whole hobby has a lot of wonderful, neat people about it. That's right. It really is a neat. Yeah, I mean, a, all the Chuck Shaden. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, all the people that you met, even Neil Ellis. Yeah, I, I for example, tonight uh, we arranged Patricia been asked to look for your hip parade, and one of our friends, Larry Gassman, helped us get the your hip parade. You know, it's it's a very friendly, caring, sharing. Yeah. And everybody's willing to share, yeah. you know, what they got. Your friend, um, oh my gosh, uh, your friend Frank Brzee, I mean, yep. the wonderful interviews that he, he's come up with. And, I mean, you know, and he shared it with the public with yes. albums that he made. And, yes. You know, and I think old-time old, old radios um, have, have um, helped me to make some real great friends. I agree. And, well, one quick question. I don't know, Patricia, you ever told us how you got interested, I mean, in old-time radio? It was by accident. I am a talk show junkie. I've said that so many times. I really enjoy talk shows, and the Internet system has thousands of talk show stations. And I went to Live 365, and I looked for, actually, I guess I ran a Google search, and Live 365 came up as a category, and I saw Yesterday USA, talk radio, and something else. There wasn't even old-time radio listed there, it, but it, was, it had talk radio as part of its description. And I clicked on it, and I was listening to a show. I, of course, had no idea what I was listening to. I didn't know anything about old-time radio. I didn't even know it existed. And I thought, you know, this is pretty neat. And I hunted around, and I found a couple of other stations, and I heard a Fibber McGee and Molly, and all of a sudden my brain said, that's what your grandmother was talking about. She'd, she'd say, this looks like Fibber McGee's closet, as an expression. And I thought, what the heck is a Fibber McGee's closet? And I found Fibber McGee. And then I found some of the detectives, which I love. I mean, you know, everybody knows that I, I really like Sam Spade and Philip Marlowe and Rocky Fortune, all of the campy ones. And that's how I found it. It was about, I don't know, what, Walden, seven or eight years ago? Seven years ago, I guess. Yep. Yeah. 
seven, almost eight. So it, and then how did you start collecting? I mean, what, what, what made you start collecting these things? Um, Hearing it and stuff, but what made you decide that, wow, I'm oh, going to start collecting some of these things? When Walton asked me to come out and play, I seriously started collecting because not only was it fun for me to have new shows, but I... Because I was out on Saturday nights talking with people, I had an opportunity to share things that I was able to find that aren't very available. So it, it was fun for me to start collecting them. Oh, wow. And then, um, I mean, because you, you, I know your generation <clears throat> like more action stuff, you know. Um, like if you watch television today, mm -hmm. those are more, more action than before. There, there was more talk in old television shows, but now people get bored, you know. They need action, action TV. And so, don't you, I mean, what, I mean, you never get bored when you first heard all these detective shows and stuff? Because no, they were, we talk about old time radio being the theater of the mind. It was wonderful. I have a better imagination than I do have a tolerance for violence and blowing up things and people shooting each other. This was uh, everything I listened to, with some exception, but most of what I listened to and heard was really imagination stuff. I mean, Philip Marlowe, there is no such thing as a Philip Marlowe in our lives today. I don't know if there were 40, 50, 60 years ago, if they really were like that, but... I have a theory, Ron, and I don't know if it's true or not. I think those of us who love old-time radio, in general, are, have very active minds to begin with. I think, I think a lot of people are readers. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are um, interested in different things in life. And I think old-time radio lends to a sort of unique uh, breed of people who are interested in a lot of different things so it's sort of and it fits and i think it attracts a lot of people who are it requires imagination yes and you know I, you I had an unfortunate incident happen i went to uh, <clears throat> um, talk about old old time radio to some um, i think it was ninth graders okay in, in, in middle school <clears throat> and we played the Lone Ranger and how he met Dan Reed, you know, mm -hmm. excerpts, and what the Lone Ranger was saying to Dan Reed about about America and the freedom and all that kind of stuff. And some people thought that it was propaganda, like we were trying to feed this um, this thing into their mind that we wanted them to. Um, and I, I and I try to explain that, you know, in those days, in our days. Um, we, it's not that we're trying to shove it down their throat, but in those days, it, it was something that we wanted you guys to know that we we live in a in a country and a freedom and and there some the, the younger people's minds are different, you know, and it kind of huh? bothered me. But I I kept my cool and let them know that well in those days it was it was not we're not trying to shove things down your yeah. throat. Yeah, it was. It, it, they're pictures of what really was in terms of society, culture, and attitude. Yeah, there you go. What was what was really there? But you mentioned old time television. From as far back as I can remember, it it 
has always been a joy for me when an old television show starts in reruns. I've been able to see things like The Honeymooners with Jackie Gleason. I Love Lucy is running now on one of the stations. So periodically these come, and I'll bypass everything else and watch the old television shows. Love them. Just love them. George Shearing, who was a blind, he's passed away now. He said that, and Walden and I will agree with George. I think George is still with us. No, no, he passed away. Really? Yeah, he did. He died Okay, I missed it then. Okay. George, George who? George, George Shearing. Okay. You want to Google him up, Patricia? Google? Yeah. Patricia is Googling again tonight. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Ron. Anyway, he said that he enjoyed going to movies before than now because there was more talk. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's all, bang, 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 you know, all kinds of, you know loud music and whatever, but uh, for him, and I agree, I, I enjoyed movies of the past. I agree. Or, huh? I totally agree with that, because a lot of it today is that they have certain technique, like flashback technique, that can be tough, mm-hmm. you know, so you don't see it. Um, That's right, you had a hard time with one of the shows that I typed up for reps. Mm-hmm. The Ghost Town, which hopped back and forth between present and actually being part of the old story and then coming back and Uh narrating it and going back and being part of it. You had a hard time with that transition. I think so because people... that was radio. And I think people are used, probably because they used to watch current movies and are used to that technique. You know, I... Could be. Maybe so. That, That could be. And I had an opportunity to listen to it in slow pieces, mm-hmm. which might have made a difference. But of course, you're right. I'm well, I'm just yeah. stuck in the old time stuff. They, of this, course, Walter. Now they have descriptive movies or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. Is that the right word? Yeah, it is. Uh huh. And it costs, I think, seventy-five thousand dollars for a movie for a movie theaters to have it installed in the theaters. The, the, no, but did you ever borrow some of those? Um, videos on descriptive movies? No, I haven't, but occasionally what they would do, local radio station and overnight would play the, those movies with a description on it, so I would tune in and get a feel how they ran those things. I don't really enjoy it. Um, well, you know, I, it's, to me it's a little distracting because when I go to yeah, a movie, there you go. when I go to a, a movie and when I'm with a, a new friend, I said, look, if, we're gonna t- if you feel the urge to tell me what's on the screen, just do it one word. Give me a quick, like, living room. There you go. I bedroom. Can... Let me design. I can design the whole thing in my set. My brain. Right. I, I just want to be able to follow the dialogue. You don't have to tell me everything. No. Just say, during the kitchen. There you go. Bedroom. You know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. But okay. the descriptive movie, sometimes it's distracting. You know what I mean? Uh, the last really good movie that I, that a few years ago, with a few good, uh, a few good men, was, you know, Jack, uh, Jack, Jack, uh, Jack Nelson, Nicholson. That was very descriptive. I think it was Tom, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Um, yeah. Um, that was very easy to follow because that was dialogue driven. Mm-hmm. And I, and as you said, Ralph, George Sharing pointed out, the movies today are not dialogue driven. No. 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 Gotta not. shoot somebody, say some bad words, and blow something up, and you've got a success. You got a success. 
Yeah. That's a sad thing. Yeah. The language. Yeah. And you know, and you have to listen to it because you're there or whatever. You but know. you know, honestly, if you they did a survey of the top ten most money making movies, nine of them are G rated. So if you're gonna make, if you're into making money, you might as well make it for the family because that's where the money is at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because a couple, based on, not because of, uh, a week or two ago, maybe longer, I was asking about the life of movies in a theater today compared to, I guess it was with Nolan, did the movies rotate from one theater to another? Mm -hmm. And the answer was yes. They started in the metropolitan areas and worked out to the suburbs and then the rural areas so that by the time the people out in the country got it, it was an old movie, but of course it was new to them. Who cared? Right. And there was not a lot of television to fill in the blanks for them. But today it's a one-shot deal. It opened and it closed, and guess what? It, it grossed you know, $200 million, and that's really wonderful, and now we'll move on to the next one. Uh-huh. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I think the ones that are the all-timers, I'm going to have to find that list and go over it, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit. My guess is some of the movies that are G and all-time popular and moneymakers are things like The Wizard of Oz. Correct. Ones that have arrived and stayed. They're here forever. We had a friend on the station, Art from California, the old listeners, old fans would remember him. Um, he would call. He was a listener of Yesterday USA. He was Art Murphy. He went by Art or the California guy. And he was in the Navy, and he used to get the Variety. And he started to write a business column for Variety. And what he invented was the weekly box office. And so everything now you see when they said how much a movie makes this week or whatever... That was Art idea, and he became a big supporter and fan of Yesterday USA. And he said it strictly was a business column that he started in the, in the Navy in the 60s, and it launched his uh, career writing for Variety. And he said, and talk to people today, what they look at, folks, it's the percentage drop-off. In other words, does this movie have legs? You know, you basically... A movie's in trouble if it falls off falls off by 50% from week one to week two. You don't want to see a decline that rapidly. If it's declining quickly in terms of overall growth, that movie's going to be gone. You know, they want something that by three weeks. They want something. They want something that's going to be able to stay pretty level, and that's what keep a movie around in in, in the theaters. I used to love to go to movies before. You know, yeah. like um, when they had the Glenn, when I was at the Glenn Miller store with James Stewart. Oh, my gosh. You know what I did tonight? What I have queued up tonight, Ron? What? I have the premiere for the Glenn Miller story. Really? Yeah. I'm going to drop two minutes of that. I do. I had. I found it yesterday. I said, oh, I thought that'd be fun. Just to pop in a quick two couple of seconds of the premiere. But, yeah, I have that. And I was listening to that yesterday, and there was... Ronald Reagan and Nancy Davis in attendance, and Jimmy Stewart and everybody else. In yeah, I have the I have the DVD at home you know, of the movie. Yeah. And I I listen to it every so often, and it is such a warm so with June Allison. Yep. You know and stuff, and and I have like 
Alexander's Ragtime Band, you know the movie? Sure. In fact, why don't we hear why don't we hear a quick quick opening of the premiere? Here we go. Wait, go ahead, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight from Hollywood, California, the National Broadcasting Company brings you the thrilling premiere of another milestone in motion picture history. The premiere of the Glenn Miller story. Just around the corner from our NBC studios on Vine Street, at the famous Pantages Theater on Hollywood Boulevard, hundreds of Hollywood notables have gathered to see the premiere of what promises to be one of the finest motion pictures of all time. The Glenn Miller Story. At this very moment, Hollywood Boulevard is jammed with thousands of people. It's been roped off for three blocks. Giant Krieg lights are lighting up the sky like an old-fashioned Fourth of July. There has never been a premiere that has attracted as many of Hollywood's famous people as this one. This is truly one of Hollywood's great nights. The Glenn Miller Story is a motion picture made in a factual approach, seldom recorded a screen biography. NBC is proud to bring you this premiere. Proud to bring you the premiere of the motion picture depicting the life of a man who gave to his country some of its most romantic musical memories of our generation. And now, to introduce you to your hostess for the next half hour, may I present NBC's Eddie King. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Eddie King speaking to you from the outer lobby of the Pantages Theater just off the well-known intersection of Hollywood and Rome. Yeah, I'll turn that down. I'm sorry it's not the best sound quality, but Eddie King, I know Eddie King. He is about 99 years old, still with us. He's the announcer for Richard Diamond. But sound, uh, sound quality was a little bit off. Right. I, I, I got stuck on something here. Yeah.